Hello and welcome to another episode of Cyberspeak with InfoSec Institute. Today's guest is David Moose Wolpoff, co-founder and CTO of Randori, a nation-state caliber attack platform. We're going to be talking about red team operations and also about the Randori platform. Moose is a recognized hacker and expert in digital forensics, vulnerability research, embedded electronic design, and most interestingly, red team operations. Found, uh, prior to founding Randori, Moose has held executive positions at Kairos Tech, a leading defense contractor, and Mantech, where he oversaw teams conducting vulnerability research, forensics, and offensive security efforts on behalf of government and commercial clients. Moose holds a Bachelor of Science and Master of Science degree in electrical engineering from the University of Colorado. Moose, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. Uh, let's start out. Uh, obviously, you've, you've had a, a very interesting career so far. How did you get started in computers and security? Was security always an interest, or did you move down that avenue later in life? Uh, no, it was completely accidental. Uh, I think people often forget how young the career field is. Uh, so it's not like you could get a degree in cybersecurity or study it in school when I went to school. Okay. Um, I started out doing electronics design, embedded systems design, uh, then embedded systems reverse engineering, um, becoming a forensics expert doing hardware forensics, hardware reverse engineering. That led to mobile device exploitation for forensic purposes then mobile device exploitation for offensive computing, and then kind of hacking everything else. The rest is really history. Uh, last decade, I've been running teams doing offensive security, high-end red teaming. Yeah, what was what was the sort of the the bite with uh, sort of these more high-intensity programs like white hat hacking and red teaming? Was there something about the thrill of the hunt that brought you to that direction? Uh, well, I mean, people who are good at the hackings uh, or good at the red team stuff tend to have uh, a little bit of an addictive personality for the types of puzzles and problems that you hit. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely there's a, a, bit of, a bit of an itch that you got to scratch and uh, get get antsy if I haven't done a little bit of you know breaking into something or uh, solving some sort of good puzzle. Uh, I was really opportunistic. Um, I was working at Kairos. Uh, we had a service called Hacker and Retainer, which is a high-end red team. And we just recognized that the incentive alignment for a lot of the pen test was really upside down. And so we changed how we did that, uh, motivated us to become high-end attackers, and it worked really well. Wow. Um, so speaking of that, I, I wanted to speak to you specifically today about red teaming, which is a big, exciting topic right now. And we're hearing a lot more about it in the news, but not really with any real depth. So I wanted to talk to someone who's, who's been involved to get their perspective. So for those just sure. coming to the topic, what is a red team? What is its primary purpose and how do we differentiate it from, say, white hat hackers or penetration testers or vulnerability researchers or so forth? Sure, sure. Yeah, I I, uh, I wish that I could say there was a consistent definition uh, okay. that was equally applied. Um, so uh, I'm aware of a number of uh, internal red teams with um, you know, corporate institutions. So uh, if you're a large tech firm, you probably have a red team of some sort, and it's really meant to be an aggressor, an adversary, um, working a little tiger team style against internal defenses or defenders. Um, in the context that I was working, uh, the red team, I, red teams I've always been with are high-end external actors, so we play bad guy, pretend to be the APT, um, and we really bring um, novel and dedicated attacks against the targets we're working against. So as opposed to a pen test or vulnerability scanner or vulnerability researcher where you might be looking at the security of a particular application or trying to prove that there's a weakness in an application or scanning for like known vulnerabilities or known issues in a scoped or bounded way, uh, we've always worked with uh, the gloves off, uh, you know, goal-oriented, motivated, determined adversary attack, um, trying to be real bad guys, but then of course working with the blue teams after the fact to help them learn from the experience. 
right now. So it also seems like it's kind of um, more of an overall attack rather than like a penetration test where you said you're focusing on one specific breach area here. You're, you're sort of amassing an army and, and sort of hitting the company from all sides simultaneously. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, all the engagements that I've been involved in were black box. So we're starting with uh, very limited information, uh, very limited perspective on what makes up the organization. We're doing the full kill chain, right? So from uh, discovery, enumeration, reconnaissance, through exploitation, pivoting, everything that's involved inside of a network, uh, all the way out to you know data exfiltration, as you said, working without a bound. So um, you know, not limited in scope to a particular asset or a particular subset of assets, but really going after the whole organization, trying to achieve some particular objective. So let's, um, because red teaming is, as a process is by its nature, pretty secretive. Let's sort of start at the beginning. What, what makes a good member of a red team? What, what backgrounds do red team members generally have? Yeah, so uh, on my team, uh, over the last several years, it's mostly been uh, good programmers, reverse engineers, systems people, uh, folks with a deep, low-level understanding. Um, uh, years ago, I was tasked with explaining to somebody in uh, corporate management what the difference between like a hacker and a high-end developer was otherwise. Um, and really, it's you know, you're pulling threads from all kinds of levels of a tech stack, uh, trying to achieve, achieve some series of um, events or effects that seems like a miracle to a domain expert. Um, so really it's uh, people who are really good at problem solving, uh, decomposing how pieces of systems work, how systems of systems work, and then learning new information really quickly. Hmm. Um, so you know, when we've exploited perimeter systems, uh, typically we're working with technologies that we've never seen before that we don't know how to debug, we don't know how to reverse engineer. Hmm. Um, and we have to quickly dissect those things, figure out what the ramifications of uh, actions that we're going to take might be bound to the risk and then be able to you know, move forward. Um, so it's a pretty um, high bar to do it really effectively. Um, and depending on the context that you're in, you know, maybe you have more time to reverse engineer, figure stuff out. But core skills are just deep understanding of how all of the technology works and a love of learning how the stuff you don't know works. Is time of the essence? Is this, is this, uh, do these tend to be timed sort of attacks? You know, obviously it sounds like you, you, are best served by having problem solving like under fast notice, but is, is, is there a stopwatch on you? Well, there's, uh, there's kind of two stopwatches that happen for a red teamer. Um, the, the, the most obvious is uh, time is money, right? So yeah. at the end of the day, even for a very large engagement, you know, I would typically do six month engagements or longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still time boxed to some extent. And if you're waiting for an opportunistic event or for a defender yeah. to mess up and give you an opportunity you know, you're eating through your time window. Um, so there's that piece. Um, and that's like kind of the one minor artifice that a real hacker might not have, right? They might not have that same degree of time pressure. Um, the other time piece is uh, I don't want to get caught, right? So if I'm breaking into an organization and I have some objective that I want to achieve, um, I'm trying to get a mission done. I'm not here to hack this perimeter system for the sake of hacking a perimeter system. I'm trying to steal your code signing keys or steal your source code or whatever it is that I'm going after. Right. Um, and as soon as I you know, do something that might alert a defender of my presence, that makes my risk go up as a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, once you start taking actions against an organization, uh, in some sense, you know, the time, the clock, is, the clock is ticking, right? Now a defender might be on the scent. So I'm always trying to move as quickly as I can so that I'm limiting my risk. If, uh, you know, one of our, our listeners of the show, if, if, if you wanted to get into this line of work, what, 
experiences, qualifications, accomplishments should you be able to point to that would make you desirable to other members of a red team? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is you have to understand how all the tools work and how to build tools. Hmm. You know, so it's foundational knowledge, knowing how to use utilities. Um, you know, so if you're good with an exploit kit or a uh, set of payloads or post-exploitation tooling, like those are useful skills. But if you don't know how those things work under the hood, it's going to be really hard to take that next step. Hmm. Okay. Um, so we know that red teams are differentiated from penetration testers and white hat hackers by the way they approach vulnerabilities. But uh, in sort of a day-to-day sense, how does a red team actually work? Like if, when you arrive on, you know, the assignment, where, where do you start, I guess is the question. Yeah, uh, so engagements that we've always done, as I said, you know, were very long, so I think six months plus. Um, it would be typical for us to spend the first 14 to 30 days or so just doing reconnaissance and surveillance. So getting an idea of what is the life cycle, what's the pattern of life look like for the organization that we're working against. So things like discovery of all the assets, first stage reconnaissance, discovery of all the people, and then observation of are there things coming up and down? What's the rate of change? Can I measure things like how long is a patch cycle? Um, so you know, if patch Tuesday would come along or something and you can observe a change to a perimeter system like an IS server or something, you could try to measure those things. Um, so early stage, we start very, very hands off. And then once we start doing that, we basically stack rank all of the assets that we can find on a, a client's perimeter. And that would be both, you know, technical infrastructure and people. And you say, what is an attack that I think in this organization is likely to be successful? What do I want to go after first? Where do I start doing research or what do I start poking at? Obviously, if I already have a vulner, uh, exploit for a vulnerability that's on the perimeter and I can just go after that, I might just try it, see what works. Um, and a lot of times uh, on the red team side, we look at individual vulnerabilities or weaknesses as you know a nugget that might provide us useful information. So we might do a spear phishing campaign uh, very early in an engagement solely for the purpose of collecting information about the target, but without any real malicious payloads involved, right? So just get whatever information we can get. And then we kind of go low and slow, right? Just take our time until we see something that looks good. But as soon as we get any sort of foothold inside the organization, the whole pace shifts we go from low and slow to move as quick as we can to get our job done. Um, do you, I'm assuming every case is sort of different, but do you have sort of a universal methodology or toolkit that you break out with each, or do you really kind of like build your attack different differently with each, with each new, uh, new assignment? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So we have a, a number of things in the quiver that we always go to. So we, over the years have built lots of tools around uh, automating reconnaissance and monitoring assets and people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are techs that we've principally pulled into this new company that we've got going. Uh, and then in addition to that, we have a lot of you know, post exploitation tools um, or you know, pivoting other utilities that we have that are kind of our custom stuff. So, you know, of course we're going to leverage, you know, Metasploit or PowerShell Empire or Cobalt Strike if it works, but we also have custom rootkits that we've written that are, you know, purpose-built for the types of missions that we go after. And depending on what's going on in the engagement, we might deploy something commodity, we might use something very custom. Uh, but yeah, it's really all about anytime I type the same command twice, I'm going to type it a thousand times. So we spend a lot of time on automation and making sure that we don't have to repeat things. I think one of the things that sort of caught people's imaginations about red teaming versus, you know, what seems like, you know, cooler things like penetration testing or, or what have you is the sort of physical um, sort of brute force aspect of it that you're, you're, you're looking at the physical facility itself. You're, 
trying to sort of get your way in physically or, you know, look at the patterns of people coming and going from the building and things like that. So speak a little bit about the sort of physical aspect of it in addition to the automation and the, the technology. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we, the teams that I've been part of haven't been heavy into physical penetration testing or physical red team break-in, right? Just because okay. our objectives have always been able to be fulfilled through some other mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, breaking into a building is higher risk for me than doing something remote. So obviously it's a method of last resort. Um, we've tended towards things that were more hybrid, right? So, you know, shipping somebody a piece of hardware that I can get them to plug in where we've implanted the hardware or built a thing that helps us pivot into an environment. Okay. But ultimately we do what works, right? So if I need to jump over the ceiling tiles, you know, to get past the glass door, hit a motion sensor so we can get in and go plug into a building, uh, I'll totally do that. And we've definitely walked into buildings and pretended to be an employee and given a desk or two to just sit at and do our job because somebody thought we were working there. Right. Um, it's really just, you know, whatever works, same thing real hackers do, right? Yeah. Do what you got to do to get job done. Yeah, so um, I, what kind of companies employ red teams to try and attack their defenses? Obviously, these are, we're talking corporations that have, you know, probably they feel like they have a pretty strong defense mechanism in place, whereas one that, you know, might do a pen test because, you know, I just want to find out if this one thing is okay. But like, what level of security should your company already have in place before deciding to bring out the big guns of red teaming? Yeah, I, I would certainly never advocate it for an organization that doesn't have dedicated security personnel. Uh, and I think that many folks would be surprised how big companies get before they actually have dedicated mm-hmm. full-time security folks. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big values that I always felt I brought to the table as a red teamer was the opportunity for the defenders to learn from from their attacker, right? It's not often that you get hacked and then get to ask the hacker what happened. Yeah, um, And that's not super useful just to IT practitioners, right? If, if you're really interested in finding things that need to be patched today, red team's not you know, going to be comprehensive in that kind of manner. But if you're interested in stressing your response and seeing, you know, do my defenders pick up on what's going on? Can I see a real actor? Uh, in the event of a breach, do I know how to respond in a reasonable way? You know, those things are, are more suited, I think, to the red team. Um, typically, we see very large organizations that have some hybrid of uh, internal uh, threat actors who'd be like an inside red team and then some outside red team doing, you know, the kind of goal oriented attacks. It seems like with red teaming, there's an understanding that uh, you're going to get in. It's just a matter of how you get in and that's what they want to know. Yeah. uh, There's some of that for sure. Uh, I think at the high end um, it's less important how you're going to get in and it's more important what happens after you do. Um, I, I really strongly believe that success in cyber is uh, all about detecting quickly, responding reasonably, and keeping the lights on, right? Keep the business running while you're yep. doing a workup. Yep. Um, you don't you don't keep hackers out of your network, right? You kick them out quickly and you move on with your life. Right. Um, you know, so if we're dropping O'Day in order to breach a company, that's really good. Like you've done it right if I have to yep. drop O'Day to get into your network. Right. But once I'm in, you need to know that I'm there and kick me out quick. Right. So we try to do a lot of coaching around those types of things. So what, what are some no-nos in red teaming? You know, you, I, I think this is probably one of those things that goes into the, the realms of sort of tabloids. But you hear stories about, you know, red teams kidnapping the CEO or, you know, like in, in, involving, you know, crazy things like that. How far is too far to get in? What is or is there even such a thing as too far? Uh, you know, I, I, well, one, I would never go beyond the bounds of authority, right? So mm-hmm. make sure that, um, you know, 
willing consent, right? Uh, right? I need to know that what I'm doing is within the bounds. So typically when I engage, we'll have some party uh, in the company that we're working against that acts as a white cell or a referee, right? Okay. And we'll be in constant communication with them about all the actions that we're doing uh, so that there's no surprises at that level. And they always have an opportunity to mitigate risk internally. Um, you, know, you, don't, you don't want to break the business by trying to help them fix the business, right? Um, so it's a little contextual, but kind of like broad strokes. Uh, I don't do anything that's irreparable harm, right? I try not to be destructive. And we try not to go after anything that's like, outside the bounds of what our objectives are. So if I'm going after, you know, proving that I can get access to PII, I will take enough screenshots to prove that I had access to sensitive stuff, but I don't need to exfiltrate it because I don't want to be responsible for tracking the data, right? Right. Um, so in general, um, I, I am happy to exfiltrate stuff that is, uh, you know, useful for pressing the attack within the context of what I'm trying to achieve. And I just stick to that. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of clients over the years where we've happened across stuff that looks out of place. And a lot of times I'll just pick up the phone and call the CISO or call our contact and say, hey, we saw this weird thing in this weird spot. We're hands off until you thumbs up, thumbs down, tell us what to do. Gotcha. So it, uh, once you've broken the defenses, whether physically or technologically or through some combination, how do you report your findings to the company? Do you write a report? Do you offer prescriptive solutions that would prevent you getting in a second time? A lot of times uh, we will offer, you know, particular medicine for particular problems. Um, more often it's coaching around systemic or institutional issues that need to be addressed. Um, we always give a report to our clients because we always want them to have that documented record of, you know, what we did, uh, where we did it, what was going on. Uh, but most of the time, you know, we do, the, the two things that I find most valuable are close contact with a white cell or with a, an agent inside the organization. So, you know, weekly or ad hoc calls with whoever's the stakeholder that's really owning the engagement, just to make sure that everybody knows what's going on. Um, and then the, the other piece is always doing a debrief or some sort of coaching session with the people who did the workup, right? So after I've turned up the volume high enough that the defenders know that we're there and they start doing an incident response, they have an opportunity to interrogate us after the fact. Um, and so we always try to give folks this good chance to have that learning opportunity. So take the folks who thought it was a real exercise or thought it was a real hack, yeah. uh, do their full workup, and then get told, oh, hey, this was friendly. Set up that debrief and have what is usually a fairly uh, warm discussion around, uh, hey, how did this whole, whole thing play out? What did you miss? What did we miss? Okay. And make sure we have the opportunity for folks to learn from the engagement. After they've taken a few breaths. <laughs> um, so why do you think that uh, red teaming at this moment is receiving such a boost in interest? Is this reflecting a growing unease about the prevalence of major hacks in the news or is it something else? Well, I think there's certainly the, the, the hacking zeitgeist, right? Every breach in the news every week. Um, I think there's also a pretty uh, broad sense that the, the general approaches taken to security testing aren't aren't serving the real purposes, right? So if you, you know, if you're doing pen testing because you have a compliance requirement, right, you probably box it in that compliance bucket. There's a lot of folks who look at the program over, overall and say, I know how all these individual pieces fit into my security program, but I don't know how to test the whole program. Mm -hmm. um, so we get a lot of querying around folks who are very interested in that kind of you know holistic assessment as opposed to piecemeal or more targeted testing. 
I see. Um, so as, as we start to wrap up here a little bit, tell me about the Randori platform. We mentioned at the beginning of the show and you described it as a nation state caliber attack platform, which is a great term. Uh, what, is, what does that mean? What is, how does the platform of this size allow its users to approach attacks and vulnerability tests on like a larger scale? Sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier briefly that we've built a lot of tooling over the years to help us do red teaming engagements and automate those pieces. Uh, we've kind of taken that that uh, mindshare and we've automated a platform around it. So we are building a nation state caliber attack platform. That means we're building the attack platform that we all expect that real adversaries have and are using to reach us, but we're turning that around and letting our customers see it. Um, so starting from zero knowledge, totally black box, plug in an email address, receive a dossier and, con and continual monitoring of that dossier of all the assets that make up a corporation or an institution. And then the opportunity to attack assets uh, based on how interesting those things are to a hacker. So we have this concept of target temptation where we you know, flavor all of the things that make up the perimeter of a company and then let a CISO or the operator inside a business you know, press button, receive attack, see the ramifications of the attack, and then repeat that if they need to, or press the attack further into their environment. So we're trying to make it uh, very easy for a you know, mid to large size org to get that red team experience and that... Uh, you know, learnable moment from the red team engagement, but without having to have, you know, a costly red team actually show up and do a services engagement. Okay. So this is something that you're marketing to the organization that they would use rather than you're using on them. Yeah, I think we anticipate that there'll uh, be some very natural segues uh, for uh, red teamers to leverage a platform uh, either internally or externally to a client. But okay. the folks we're working with today are uh, the actual you know, victims of the hacking themselves who are uh, using it to beat up on themselves and see how they do. So it's okay. been it's been fun. Interesting. So what um uh, along with Randori, what is what do you think the future of red teaming is going to be? What will red teams and the companies that hire them have to do to keep steps ahead of hackers and other interlopers? Where where's it going from here? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a more driven towards the goal oriented attack, more driven towards a bis business based risk management. Right. Yeah, I mentioned before a strong believer that you know winning in cybersecurity is just detecting early, responding reasonably, and keeping the business going. Um, the only way that you can really stress your defenders and then learn from that experience um, is to have somebody come in, play bad guy, and bring you that experience. Um, you know, whether that's an automated platform that's doing it or a group of dedicated hackers coming in and beating up on your defenders, uh, I think that's a really valuable exercise for organizations to go through. That's, that's great. Moose, thank you for joining us today. I think we all learned a lot, um, and especially considering how murky this topic has been to people sort of looking at the, you know, so I appreciate you breaking it down for us. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks very much. And thank you all for listening and watching. If you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more of them on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in InfoSec Institute, I-N-F-O-S-E-C, to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are available also as audio podcasts, including this one very soon. Please visit infosecinstitute.com slash cyberspeak for the full list of episodes. If you'd like to qualify for a free pair of headphones with a class sign-up, podcast listeners can go to infosecinstitute.com slash podcast to learn more. And if you'd like to try our free security IQ package, which includes phishing simulators you can use to fake fish and then educate your friends and colleagues in the ways of security awareness, visit infosecinstitute.com slash security IQ. Thanks once again to Moose Walpoff, and thank you all again for watching and listening. We will speak to you next week.